Before we get into the word this morning, normally we are turning immediately to a text. We have a bit of an update by way of Vision 2020. Uh, First, I just want to welcome every single one of you here. It is great to see you. Uh, God has blessed us with a beautiful, beautiful day and just to worship together. Thank you, Matt, for leading us. um, We have been blessed with Eric's testimony as well. Remember the challenge and the importance and the priority of a home group commitment. Thank you as well for expressing um, uh, thanks, it's not thanks, congratulations on my birthday. I tell you what, for, for 70 years old, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging in there. There's a few aches and pains, but I, I think I got a couple years left, just a couple years left. Um, but thank you, Matt, for that. Um, by way of an update, I am a classic rock guy. Um, and maybe it dates me a little bit, um, but I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't immediately, I'm not talking like rock and roll type of a guy. I'm talking like I'm a rock guy. I love rocks. You see piles of them all over the place. Um, rocks to me are reminders. Uh, this particular rock uh, was given to me We have to go all the way back to February um, 2017 um, when I uh, walked into the office one day. Pastor Josh gave me this rock. It's actually, it's more of a hunk of concrete. Uh, This came from the demolition of the warehouse. That was the day that it began. And I have since kept this rock on my windowsill in my office as a reminder, just like we do with rocks all over the place, to be praying faithfully for that entire project. And I can honestly say that I, I don't think one day has gone by that I've not seen that rock and prayed for this entire process. Let me give you a little bit of an update. Um, we, have, we have attempted to, over this past year, give you approximately quarterly updates. So let's go back. It was about this time last year when Scott Heckman stood up before us and he brought us up to speed on, on particularly some of the structural tra- uh, changes uh, that, that needed to be made, the reinforcements after the demolition process, a little bit more significant than we had initially expected. He talked about particular specs on new roof and siding. He talked about the fact that it has been, even at that point, that was a year ago, certainly longer, slower, and more extensive than expected. He encouraged us with this almost a year ago, and I quote Scott Heckman, our dear brother, he says this, stay the course, keep believing, we may be tired, discouraged, and even frustrated, but don't give up. And then he said this, our God is faithful, and we rejoice in that. A couple months after that, Eric Evans stood up by way of uh, an update, and he took us back even further to tell the, the Big Woods story about God's work here in Lock Haven and how we were birthed out of campus ministry at LHU. He talked about the importance of relationships, even as he reminded us today in his own testimony. He gave to us several updates and praises, all built upon a, a, upon a very important and repeated statement. He said this, and I quote Eric, we need to be trusting in God. It's his plan and his timeline. 
And we rejoice in that truth. Bill Newman, uh, more about the turn of this year, um, updated us on the progress, but he also reminded us just of the overall vision 2020 as far as what is being accomplished. When we talk about our relationships, building relationships with those in the community, but also the time that we are now involved in spiritually growing and maturing and learning in our own faith. And Bill said this, and I quote, This is humbling. God doesn't need us. Think about that. God doesn't need us, but it is a great privilege to be involved in what he is and will continue to do in our community. Isn't it refreshing and and encouraging to know that although God doesn't need us, he calls us to have a part of his work here. We have an update. We know the Big Woods exist, and there's this clear vision that has been presented for the last several years to build relationships so that God is glorified and lives, homes, and families are transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we presently today doing in accomplishing this vision? Let me tell you, we will continue to focus first and foremost on the Lord, on his word that has been given to us, and also on other people. We know that school is back in. We had a really neat time just this past Monday evening to pray together for all of our local schools, teachers, students, principals, administrators, and staff who are commencing their 2018-19 school year. This past week as well, youth ministry, our Navigate, started up this past week. Uh, This coming week, our college ministry, New Life, starts up. We know that home groups presently are in full swing. When we talk about signing up for that, so far there has been an excellent response both here but also online. Be sure to make sure you get that sticky note where it belongs on a commitment to home groups. And we know that earlier in the month of August, this month, we had a wonderful time in showing love by giving uh, blessing baskets out. We had a ministry where we met together at Hoberman Park, where we met um, 30 new families, 30 new families that we had not had contact with. Um, We're going to follow up with them by inviting them to an open house and a fall festival um, in October. And it has been a joy to see that so many within our body continue to help and to serve and to give and to love other people. That is why Big Woods exists. I love how the Apostle John summarizes it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Now, I am excited to report that we will very soon be moving into our larger worship facility building. We can worship together. We will have the room to invite others in as we continue to build relationships with them and together learn and grow in the Lord. What I want to do is praise God now that we are in our very final approach to our move-in date. We praise God that we are our very final approach to moving in mid to late September, which means what? There's only a few weeks left and there is much to do. Two areas. Number one, what to expect. 
Okay, let me just give you a little bit of a visual here on, on some of the progress. We know that recently in the past couple of weeks, all the air conditioning and heating units are on and have um, been climatizing the building. Our exterior doors uh, have been installed just this past week. Um, drop ceilings and lighting is presently being installed. Uh, the baptistry is finished. Sorry, we didn't get a picture of that. It looks like a baptistry that's finished. Um, our, our stone wall, our fireplace, beautiful mantle is almost finished. That'll be done by this week. And in the next couple weeks, what to expect? Just finishing um, painting and touch-ups. Carpet will be laid. The foyer floor will be poured. Interior doors and trim will be completed. Bathroom fixtures will be installed. Kitchen cabinets will be installed. It is amazing to see the progress. Now, you and I know that with any building project, we can expect challenges and delays, and we have experienced both of them over these past 16, 18 months. There's been numerous factors to this. People ask, well, why? It's hard to explain very specifically. I would just, I would just simply say due to the, the coordination of thousands of moving pieces, particularly some of the subcontractor schedules, there's been a lot of things that have been challenging to coordinate. So what I want you to understand is that when we move in, in just a couple weeks, the children's wing is not going to be completed as we had initially thought. Now, yes, we will still move in. Yes, we will still have a dedicated nursery space and a limited number of classrooms until that project is finished after move in. Already there's been progress. The sprinkler system is in in that area. All the materials are on site. We're praying that it will not be too much longer after move in for that part to be completed. Still be plenty of parking for everyone, plenty of seating for everyone. We do know that the outdoor entrance, the carport will not be finished. We're continuing to pray, trust the Lord and wait on the Lord for his time and when that final entrance will be completed after move in. So that's what to expect, what to do right now as far as what is our responsibility. Let me give you very quickly, the first thing is continue to praise the Lord every single day. When I see that rock on my windowsill, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the provision over these past several years since we've started this, this project. Um, also, please continue to pray every single day to know that we've had no major accidents, there's been no injuries over this time with significant uh, equipment and demolition. We praise God for Gary Webster and his team. Continue to pray for things to go smooth, particularly during this transition time. Continue to give. We know that it's been a challenge and a time for us, and we need to be faithful every single time. God has called us, as Pastor Aaron reminded us, to give sacrificially and joyfully to the work of the gospel that God has called us to. We need to be faithful in this time to continue to give. And then finally, we need to be uh, at work. Now, there's several areas. First and foremost, uh, there's going to be some cleaning crews that are needed the last couple days prior to moving. That's just simple tasks of, of dusting, vacuuming, some windows cleaned in bathrooms, the decor team, the the core team that we've set up will establish in coordinating some of that. So be looking for that. Um, also, there's actually the move out of this particular building. There's a lot of work that's involved 
classrooms, that's tables and chairs. We have to move our kitchen with fridges and stoves. Even our kitchen cabinets will be going with us. We have offices to transition. That's furniture and desks, uh, chairs, and obviously many, many books. There's not just the move out, but there's also the move in. That's the setup of classrooms. We have over 500 chairs to be set up in the sanctuary. That's musical equipment, sound equipment, audiovisual equipment. The deacons will coordinate that and be looking for both the move out and the move in. There's also some actual work crews that will be needed. Two projects. The multi-purpose room is not going to be finished. We knew that way back. That just needs plywood on the interior walls. We have all the materials. We have the lifts and everything there to accomplish that. Uh, there's also going to be some um, siding, some metal siding on the back part of the building that you don't necessarily see from any of the roads that still needs to be put on at some point in the future. That's not dependent upon our move-in date at all. Um, what we would do want to, to make note, and I want you to schedule this in, um, uh, two weeks from today, that would be a Sunday night, I believe 7 o'clock, September the 9th, if you call Big Woods Bible Church your home church, okay, you need to be here. We're going to meet just to do what we talked about. We're going to sing praises to God and thank the Lord for his faithfulness. We're going to pray together, and we're also going to have an opportunity to hear a, a little bit more of a detailed analysis and a very clear view of where we are at together as a church. Obviously, there have been increased financial needs with the transition costs as well as a growing budget with our own staffing. So it's a very, very important time. I would encourage, I would implore every single person, if this is your home church, two weeks from... Um, Tonight, September the 9th, for time of praise and prayer and update as we continue to work forward, look forward um, and work for the gospel. Exciting times. There's, there's exciting and then there's like ecstatic. And, and I'm at that place that it's, it's surpassed exciting that it's, it's the finish line in view. A sense of just ecstatic excitement to what God has for us. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 107 verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And so we just want to do that just now as we prepare and transition to time into the word this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we just give thanks and praise to the Lord for his amazing goodness and incredible grace. Father, we are overwhelmed completely at the testimonies that we can give of your faithfulness. Lord, there, there's no doubt from a human perspective, it has been slow and sluggish that, that there are times that we get discouraged, even frustrated. But Lord, as, as we were reminded this morning that you are faithful. As we're reminded that you don't, you don't need us, but you allow us in your grace to have a little part of the kingdom that you're building. God, we, we give you all the glory and praise for your provision. But Lord, as we prepare for that, these last couple weeks before we transition into a new worship facility, the, the, the message of the gospel remains locked and unchanged. Help us, Lord, to, to know that you've given to the, us this gift 
for a reason so that the message of the gospel goes out even, even louder and clearer than it has in the past. Father, we just thank you for your provision and, and protection during this project. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, as we heard in testimony, um, Lord, of, of the many ministries, the many people that are already serving. We pray now, Lord, that your spirit would, would work on our hearts, reminding us that every one of us have been given a gift and that we would be willing to use that for the furtherance of the good news of Jesus. Now, as we transition and look into your word, I would ask that you would be pleased. Lord, that you would just give me the help that is needed to stay focused on you for just a few moments as we prepare our heart to receive the communion table. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Bless us. In your name we pray. Amen. Very, very quickly, for just a a few moments, we've gathered together as is so needed to be fed through the word of God. First, Peter uh, we kind of introduced and looked at that a little bit last week, First Peter in chapter 2. And, and we talked about the importance of, of, of walking the talk. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of lingo and language that goes on in any local church. But we don't want to be just about the talk. We want to actually, what, be real. One of the greatest criticisms labeled against the church is that they're all just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Thankfully, the word of God teaches us it's not just about the way we talk, it's the way that we actually walk. We we quoted last week, I can't believe I quoted the Urban Dictionary, but there's actually a a definition for what that that phrase means. Walk, the talk means, it it, it literally means to practice what is being preached, to put into practice that which you've heard. And we looked at some things that what? We are to, to keep our conduct honorable, that people may see, visibly see your good deeds and glorify God. That by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. But now, now we actually build on that by way of what it actually means to, to walk the talk. And it does deal with a subject that in all honesty, no one likes to talk about. No one likes to hear this word. Yet it's in the word of God and it teaches us how we are to be authentic, sincere. Not only as we seek to live an authentic life, but we seek to be an authentic church. Uh, Follow along, look what it says in in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 13. It says this, it begins with be subject. Ugh. Be in submission. Be obedient for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And then there's four commands. We're going to look at those next week. But there's this one phrase here that literally says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. If you were to continue to read, you kind of see this this subject kind of bubbles to the top throughout the remaining part of this text. In verse 18, it says, servants, be subject to your masters. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, wives, be subject to your husbands. In, in today's world, that's what, yeah, that's actually what the word of God says. 
in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, live in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Now, I don't know if you, you get it or not. Any, any, any study Bible, any commentary, any sidebar or side note to this entire text uses this phrase, this subject. We're talking about submission to authority, to be subject, to be obedient to every authority. And I don't know about you, but I thought about the fact that there's a lot of everys out there. Like not only do you have to what? Uh, you have to be careful with how fast you drive because there's an ordained authority. Paul says in Romans chapter 13, the, the police have been placed over you to protect you. But then there's like, there's a teacher at school and there's a principal at school. But then it actually flows out from there. You're not just to be in, in submission or to be subject to the teacher. You actually have to be in submission to the assistant to the teacher, to the teacher's assistant. You're not just to be in subjection to the principal of your school. You have to be in submission and subjection to the assistant principal, not just to the head coach, but to the assistant coach. And for some reason, there's a lot of everys out there. And we know that what? First and foremost, submission is not really fun. It may not be fun at all. How do we know that it's not fun? You go all the way back and you remember this. It's like the first day of school. It's like kindergarten, day one. Miss Andrew hands you a picture of a zebra and you're supposed to color the picture of the zebra. And what they do is they give you this big, huge box of like 5,000 different colors to choose from. And you know that what? The zebra is going to be the black crown and the white crown. That's it. And as you reach for that, for some reason, something inside of you says, I don't want the white crown and the black crown. This whole stripe thing. I want the purple and the, the pink crown. And I think my zebra should have polka dots on it instead of just black and white stripes. Black and white stripes are just boring. My zebra's not going to be boring. And there's something about us even from the get-go from day one. We, we have to learn to color inside the lines. It's not really meant to be fun to drive the speed limit. S submission isn't about that. To put your seatbelt on. Paying your taxes. Oh, we so look forward to that. Scripture is explicitly clear. You render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, this is non-negotiable. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's not fun. Submission may not be fun. Submission, we know, may not even be fair. We, we look at some of the laws, and in all honesty, some of the absolutely silly laws that, 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 that government institutions have placed over us, and we still are responsible to, to submit to that. Zoning laws, property laws. Uh, 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 laws protecting the natural resources and laws protecting government property, laws protecting private property and private rights. And we look at the institutions that are, are giving to us these laws. And I, I made a list of lists. Listen to this. We have to listen to laws that are pushed onto us by the RIS, the IRS, the FDA, the USDA, the SEC, the CDC, the DMV, the NTSB, the DOL. I don't know what the DOL is. The, the DOT. And then they're enforced. 
We have all of these laws, and they're enforced, what, by the DOJ, by the FBI, the ATF, the NSA, the TSA, ICE, Homeland Security, U.S. Marshal Service, state police, local police, sheriff's department, and like, wait a minute, but this isn't fair. Well, I, I don't really believe for a moment as we live in this land, land of the free, where there's ever-increasing laws and ever-shrinking freedoms where we say, I'm sorry, yeah, but excuse me, this isn't fair. When we're instructed to be in subjection, when we're instructed to be in submission, nowhere does it ever, ever say that it's going to be fun or Fair. We know that Peter is actually writing at a time, what, in Rome during the, the reign of Nero, and it won't be too much longer after he pens these words that Christians were being dipped and soaked in oil, impaled on stakes, and torched as, as lights as Nero was to walk through his garden playing his violin. You know, excuse me, that doesn't sound very fun. It doesn't sound very fair. No, no, submission doesn't mean it's going to be fun. doesn't mean it's going to be fair. Why? Because submission, thirdly, is for the Lord's sake. It's not for our sake. It says that we're to be in subjection. We're to be in submission for the Lord's sake sake if we are going to be authentic we're going to be real we're going to take off the mask just like our brother eric shared in testimony and he was real in front of us like like i didn't know if i really wanted this and i struggle in areas that i don't know if i want to discuss and i've been through a past i don't know if i want everyone and yet just being authentic if we are to fulfill the vision that god has given to us and build relationships we're going to have to pour into one another's lives if we're going to be faithful and obedient to the word of god first and foremost everything comes from this if we are going to what receive constant help guiding and leading through the spirit of God in order for us to fulfill the will of God, then you can be assured, you can be assured of this. It's going to demand a life of discipline and submission. But it's not fun. Well, it, get this, our sincerity is connected to our submission and our submission is connected to our sincerity. So you, you understand the example that is given to us for the Lord's sake. The Lord Jesus Christ models for us is a perfect example of what submission looks like. But he, he is the ultimate example. He actually wants it to be submissive. He, he knew it was not going to be fun. It certainly was not going to be fair. But he wanted to be submissive. Why? because he loved his heavenly father and he wanted to be submissive. Why? Because he loved you. Now, now I don't think he wanted to have pain inflicted, but he wanted to be obedient. He wanted to be in subjection. He wanted to be in submission. Why? Because of the love that he had. And, and I think that if we look at the motivation behind like why 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 do we have to be obedient 
Why do we have to be the, 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 the best students in the classroom? Why do we have to listen to what the pastors, the, the elders say are determined by way of the direction? I just don't even like that. Why, why do we have to learn to be in submission to the, what, thousands of, of almost silly laws that are out there? Because we're modeling for others. We're showing others this is the way the Lord Jesus Christ has lived. And we show them because he was the ultimate example for us. As we uh, prepare for the community table, we're reminded of this, this image that is given, this bread that is a picture of the body of Christ, this, this cup that is a picture of the blood of Christ. Why don't you go down a couple verses and follow along. Listen to this. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. Listen to this very carefully. For to this you have been called. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but this isn't very fun. Like, I, I didn't choose this. And this isn't even very fair. No, no, no. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. What does Peter do? He quotes the prophet Isaiah and he says this, by his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You know, I I am continually struck with the concept that Jesus surrendered and submitted And we know the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before Jesus was betrayed and and, and arrested and tried and crucified. And he's praying. He's praying in such duress and agony that he's actually dripping, uh, 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 sweating blood through broken blood vessels. He's under that much duress. He's praying to his heavenly father, Father, please remove this cup from me. He didn't want to to have the pain inflicted, but he says, nevertheless, it's not what I want. Not my will, but your will be done. And we know that it was our heavenly Father's, what, will that Jesus suffer, that, that it would be through his wounds that we would be healed. Well, how do we need to be healed? Because I and, and every single one of you are all sinners. The word of God says that we deserve separation from God. But Jesus stepped in. He, he, he knows your heart. He sees what's in here. And he said, I, I, I love that one enough that I'll pay the price. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. 
And it was such an important lesson. It's, only, it's, it's one of only two ordinances that we still remember every single month. We're instructed to do this. Jesus was with the, the disciples in the upper room. This is before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And they have the Last Supper together, and he instituted the first Lord's Supper. It, it wasn't to, to like have lunch here, okay? This is not intended for you to get full. This is intended to point us and show us a picture of what Jesus did. And so what he did, and he knew the power, as we all do, of an object lesson. He, he took bread, and, and, and it was unleavened bread. It was flat like this, and he broke it in front of them. And as he broke it, he said, this is a picture of what's going to happen to me. My body is going to be broken. That's exactly what happened. It was shredded to pieces, whipped and scorched. But, but Jesus said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to suffer for you. He also reminded us what? That perhaps even in our own submission, we're going to suffer as well. But it's for a purpose. Jesus also took the fruit of the vine and he, he poured it out. He poured wine into a glass. They, they didn't drink from individual little glasses the way that we have. They probably poured it into a big, a big goblet and they passed it around. They all drank from the same one. Can you imagine that? There was at least 13 of them that we know of there. 12, I should say. Judas had already left. And, and yet Jesus said that this, this fruit of the vine that's being poured out, this wine, is a picture of my blood. Just as I poured this out, my blood is going to be poured out. The Roman crucifixion to this day is known as the most horrific form of execution that could ever, ever, ever be put upon a person. It was a bloody, bloody experience. And Jesus said what? I'm willing to be submissive to my heavenly father because I love you. Sometimes we think it's about all, it's, it's all about us. No, you're living your life as an example to others. Why? By your following example that Jesus gave to us. And because we have a tendency in the craziness and busyness of the world and life that we live, we just race by this and we don't stop on it. That's why we're instructed. We're going to stop. We're going to slow everything down. And we're going to regularly remember what Jesus Christ did. He allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be poured out to suffer. What? So that by his wounds we would be healed. And so we're going to pause today. We're going to slow everything down. The elders are going to pass this out to you. They're going to pass the bread first. And then we'll pray, and then they'll pass the cup out to you. But in that time in between, that quietness, perfectly quiet, I want you to pray. I think of the psalmist. Created me a clean heart, O God. He wrote in Psalm 51. Renew a right spirit within me. Please, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He wrote, he said, purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That's what we need to do as a church. We're going to live as an examples of what Jesus lived in the community. I tell you what, we better live lives of confession and humility and openness and repentance 
That's what we need to do to be real. That's what we need to do to be authentic. So I'm going to ask you that you take this time to pray in confession before the Lord as you prepare to receive this. No, please, please understand that if, if you are not a member of Big Woods, but you're a member of the family of God, you've accepted, acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then please take this. This is for you. But I, I would respectfully ask that if you are here today and you have not put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, that you, that you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, if you don't believe that, then, then please don't take this. Like, with all respect, please just, just let, let the tray pass by. But I, I tell you what, today could be, it could be the very first day that you take this. If you acknowledge, and you don't have to convince too many people that we are all sinners, that we fall desperately short of God's glory. But if you put your faith in the work of that, that Jesus did, and you trust him. Lord, forgive me of my sin, and I want to follow you in obedience, and I want to be the example of submission that you were to us. Then I invite you, take this. Take this for the very first time and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. Elders, if you would come, and they're going to serve this to you, as I said, we'll serve you the bread first. Um, then I'll pray on both the bread and the cup. Bless it, and then we'll take the cup, and we'll close with the song together.
Would you bow your heads? Our prayer, Lord, this morning is that you would create in us a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within us. Lord, please take not your Holy Spirit. Purge us. Wash us through the shed blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we are given this object lesson of the body of Christ, this bread and the blood that, that, that Christ shed, the cup. Lord, we thank you for the example of surrender and submission and subjection. Even when it was certainly not fun and not fair. Father, help us to, to follow your example. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you sustain us every day your mercies that are new. We thank you for your grace. We give you praise for your faithfulness that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you never change. We thank you, Lord, that we have this reminder today of the sacrifice that was paid for our sin. Father, we also rejoice in the fact that we know, we are certain that Jesus did not stay dead, but that he rose again the third day. And that we too, when we put our faith in the finished full work of Jesus, can live new lives in obedience to you. Bless each person here. Bless this church. And we always do everything for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. It says that the Lord Jesus on the very night in which he was betrayed, it says that he took the bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said this. This is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me.
Thank you. It says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Now it's going to come and close us. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Stand with us, please, as we close. to the sky.